Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, what a beautiful Monday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Year 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined, as always, by G. Hey, Wiley, Brandon Deutsch, and today, filling in for Armani Buckets, our boy David Bloom. David, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Doing great. There was a lot going on this weekend. Saw G. Hey, briefly. We had the Kentucky Derby going on. We had the NBA playoffs. We had hockey playoffs. So much to get into. Jihei, with that said, let's get to today's headlines. Well, after winning game one, guys, of their first round series against the Edmonton Oilers, the LA Kings not only lost games two, but they also lost game three and were outscored 14-2. to But the Kings bounced back last night just in time for Mother's Day, winning game four to tie the series two to two with a four to nil victory powered by Jonathan Quick's first postseason performance shutout um, since June of 2014. It's now a best of three series. Can the Kings win and advance? Listen, G, I was going to rub a little bit of salt into that wound because that last time uh, that Jonathan Quick had a shutout was against the New York Rangers. I knew you were going to bring that up. uh, Final, (laughs) a fantastic game. No, but listen, this was a huge win, not only for Quick, to get a shutout win like that. Um, G, the the series was 2-1 following those two straight wins, but you touched on it, 14-2. It seemed like this series was done. I mean, when you lose six to nothing and eight to two and you again you you, you get uh, you know f- 14 to two um, over two games I thought this series was done but for the Kings to come back win 4-0 series now switches back over to Canada and I do think that the Kings have a chance it's gonna be an uphill battle I do think it goes to seven do they figure out a way to win over there in Game 7. I doubt it. I'm hoping for the Kings, but I'm just happy that this series is going to be coming back here for Game 6. Yeah, at least there's another game, right, in L.A., so that there's there's hope um, in that. You know what? It's playoff hockey, so anything could possibly happen. I don't know about you guys, but I know uh, that's why I love playoff hockey, because there's no such thing as parity, as I've said before, over and over. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the Kings. I'm excited for this young, um, these young kids that are uh, playing and growing yeah. up right now, um, especially to be able to play in the playoffs, because oh, yeah. not every single player is going to be able to be able to have that feeling, right, and be able to have that experience. So this is setting the ground for future success. I have no expectation yeah. for this team right. to win a championship. But Brandon, David, did you guys watch that game last night? The uh, Kings winning. Yeah, David, you can go. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's you know you were talking about uphill battle and and if the NHL playoffs anything can happen. You want a team that could be an eight seed and go win the whole thing? Have it be the LA Kings. You want a team that can take down a one seed? Have it be the LA Kings. Come back 0-3, LA Kings. Yeah. Shut out Connor McDavid, LA Kings. They've done these magical things before. They had two incredible Stanley Cup runs behind Jonathan Quick's excellence. 
It's so hard to see that again, maybe 10, eight years later. But the fact that he's able to shut out a team like the Oilers, who just went and blew them out two games in a row. Look, they may not win the series, but they're not going to just go back to Edmonton, get squashed, come back, get squashed. It's going to go at least seven. And I have a lot of faith that they can make it to the next round. Whole thing, well, things have been the king before. Why not again? Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, the Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic has been voted the NBA's most valuable player for a second consecutive season. The Joker averaged um, his average career high of 27.1 points, 13.8 boards, and 7.9 assists per game. He became the first player in NBA history with 2,000 points, 11,000 points, 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. That would be an uh, MVP season, by the way, um, in a season. Any issue, guys, with Jokic winning the award? No, I thought the uh, Joker should have won. What an amazing player. Second year in a row for him. I thought he was the best player. Now, very excited to see him with a, you know, a complimentary player like Jamal Murray next season. They went as far as they could possibly go. Going to shift the attention to Brandon here, who's got all the numbers. I mean, the Joker, in my view, was the best, but tell me why this is the correct pick. Yeah, 100%. Um, I know there's been a lot of backlash. Joel Embiid was a pick for a lot of people, but Nikola Jokic led the NBA in almost every single statistical category. Highest player efficiency rating of all time of 32.94%. Like, it's not close. Will Chamberlain is second in his 1960-61 season. Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I would have voted for second, was third all-time in player efficiency rating, not Joel Embiid. Jokic, uh, player impact estimate, everything. Player win shares without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Sixth seed in the Western Conference. I mean, there's nobody better. And his advanced shooting metrics, EFG, true shooting percentage, Unprecedented for a guy that shoots six three attempts a game and 14 attempts from the floor almost. I mean, well-deserved. I think it should have been unanimous, although I'm a statistical <laughs> guy. Um, obviously, it won't be. Embiid will probably get a lot of votes. But, yeah, it was definitely the right call by the NBA. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, David? You know, it's, it's an interesting topic because obviously the numbers don't lie. And you, don't, and you never want to talk about, you know, two different players that maybe you could have voted for the don't compare numbers wise but the one tough part for me with voting for Jokic this year and really giving him that MVP is and obviously you know he's missing a couple key pieces is right now you have Joe Allen B and you have Giannis Antetokounmpo fighting their hearts out to go win a championship and Jokic just sitting on his couch watching it and yes he had to go against the tough Warriors team and yes He's missing two incredible pieces. But my thought process, and I know postseason has been taken into effect, is how much of an impact does he really have on the league if his team is able to lose in five games against the Warriors team that's been trying to come back? If, if his team is able to get defeated so easily while Giannis, even without Middleton, is putting up a fight, Joel Embiid coming back from injuries is putting up a fight... I know the numbers, but is he the MVP? Yeah, no, I 100% agree with David because uh, I feel like just as a player, it's it, it's how far do you go in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So um, at least that's uh, personally for me. Well, speaking of playoffs, Luka Doncic scored 26 points while helping the Dallas Mavs take advantage of foul trouble for, um, for Chris Paul to beat the Phoenix Suns 111-101 to on Sunday to tie their semifinal series at 2-2. Two and two. The Suns had beaten the Mavericks 11 straight times, headed into Game 3. 
and looked like they would be sweeping the Mavs, but now it's a best of three series, guys. Can Dallas pull the upset? What a fascinating series, Jay, because you touched on it. They had not only won the first two games of the series, they had won 11 straight times against the Mavericks. It, it looked like a bad matchup. The first two games were blowouts. The Mavs find a way to win game three, and not only did they win game four, it seems like things have shifted somewhat. We'll see what happens in game five here, but... Um, I don't think the Mavericks will beat the Suns. I do think this goes to Game 7. And the, the, the thing about that is crazy things happen. You know, someone fouls out, something happens, someone tweaks a knee, and God bless Chris Paul, David Bloom can touch on this. The longer that series go, the crazier things happen. Yeah. So I do oh, think yeah. the Suns win that series, but... It's a best of three now. Crazy things can happen there. Yeah. Um, so Dallas in the regular season had a top 10 defensive rating, kind of become the identity of this team with yeah. Jason Kidd as the head coach. I know his time as the Lakers, they were third in defensive rating as well when he was the assistant coach. Luka Magic, I know I said last week, Jalen Brunson, Dinwiddie would not continue to shoot 20% from the floor. Obviously, it's been the case. I think they have a shot to win tonight in Phoenix. I really do. Yeah. I mean, Luka's the best player in the series. We talked about with the Raptors uh, 76ers series that Embiid was the best player in that series. That yeah. made a huge difference. I think Doncic is the best player in the series. It'll be hard since Phoenix has experience, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas kind of pulls this out. They have all the momentum going right now. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give you two reasons. One reason why Phoenix is going to win the series and one why they're going to lose. Firstly, a good, a great team in the NBA, the thing that they do better than anybody else the top teams, the Bucks, the Celtics, or this or that, the, they make adjustments. When they lose, when they go down, they look at the tape and they say, what do we need to do differently? They're not going to just try their hardest again. They're going to really make adjustments. They have an incredible head coach. Chris Paul is a wonderful basketball mind. They can do it. However, last year, all the way to the finals, 2-0 series lead, four straight. This team, as good as they are and as strong as they've been in the regular season, have not shown a lot of strength when it comes to having a lead and blowing. And we know Chris Paul has a lead, blows it, doesn't really like to get back up from that. So it's going to take a lot of resiliency for them to overcome, right, Luca, the best player in the series. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think it's going to, again, it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for for either of these teams, specifically for um, the Dallas Mavericks, just because Phoenix just has all that experience and they have they do have Chris yeah. Paul at the helm. So speaking of Chris Paul, several members of his family um, were in attendance for game four in Dallas on Sunday, but they were reportedly harassed and physically contacted by a fan in the crowd. The fan was removed from the game, but Paul was visibly shaken as he should be um, late in the game and during the post game press conference. We've seen fans get involved with players and their families before. What can or should the league do? You know, we're probably going to find out more exactly what happened. We really only know Chris Paul's version of the story. A lot of the uh, clips that we've seen are of the fan who looks like a teenager being re removed. It looks like he's maybe with his mom. Hard to say exactly what happened. And so when we find out exactly what happened, um, you know, I I'll be able to maybe comment more because again, we know Chris Paul's version of it. Don't doubt him one bit. But here's the larger point. For whatever reason, during this time period, People feel the need that they can just walk up on stage when you look at what happened to Dave Chappelle, when you look at what's happened in games, actually, you know, courtside fans walking onto the court. That needs to stop. 
that needs to stop. Uh, it goes without saying, of course, but I mean, you really need to say, if you do this, you will be barred for the rest of your life from the game. And that, that would preclude a teenager who's at a, a very young age to be like, hey, listen, don't be dumb. And again, we, and I don't know if he's a teenager, but let's just say he is like, he's not drunk or at least should not be. So you have to, you really have to come down with the hammer and say, this is not okay. You cannot do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I get it. Youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there needs to be more of a harsher penalty. I, yeah. Right? Um, not, not just getting banned, like maybe you're, you're like, I don't know. Like so, something has to happen. I don't know what, what it could possibly be, but sure. the, the ban is a great um, a great thing, especially if you're somebody at such a young age. Yeah. Um, and a mentality yeah. needs to come from the get-go of this is not right. Yeah. This is, you shouldn't be laying your hands on anybody. I don't care if it's a famous person's family. Family should be off limits, period, though, by the way, yeah. because mm-hmm. their, their mother, their brother, their kids, like, that's ridiculous for anybody to even verbally assault, let alone physically assault somebody. 100%. And we saw this with LeBron James earlier in the year, uh, mostly with remarks. I don't know about the laying hands on people, but it's not okay even with the remarks at someone's family. They're playing a basketball game. I know it means a lot and the emotions are high and fans talk uh, crap to each other, but to someone's family and threatening them and you know making them feel unsafe, that's just not okay. Uh, league definitely needs to be more severe with the punishment on yeah. that. Yeah, no doubt about that. Oh yeah, you know there definitely there definitely needs to be a higher punishment and more protection for these guys' families. It's it's tough, you know, especially near Mother's Day weekend. Like we got to be able to protect these guys' families so they can keep their heads in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, James Harden scored 31 points, Joel Embiid had 24 points and 11 rebounds, and the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Miami Heat 116-108 to on Mother's Day night um, in Game 4 to even the Eastern Conference semifinal series. It looks like um, the Heat would run away with the series, guys, after winning the first two games, but Joel Embiid came back, and James Harden found his groove again. Can the 76ers beat the Heat? Give Brandon some credit here. I thought this series was over, but listen, Joel Embiid is one of the top players in the game, top three, top four, top five players right now. And if James Harden could have figured out his groove and his shooters got a shooting and he shot last night, it's 2-2, it's best of three. Really, you kind of almost have to throw out the first two games when James Harden couldn't, you know, figure out what his role was and Joel Embiid was not playing. My view is I do think the Heat find a way to win in seven, but Brandon, this is a good best of three and the Sixers are totally back now. Yeah, um, I was surprised, honestly. Uh, James Harden didn't play this way toward the end of the year, the beginning yeah. of the playoffs. Uh, he looked lost in the Raptors series for most of the series. Joel Embiid coming back, he showed that he can be a menace on both ends of the floor. Best defender on the 76ers. That's important. I do think it goes seven. I think Heat win game five, yeah. Sixers six, and Heat seven. Nice. Heat have the most depth. I don't. I, I just can't trust Harden to continue to play like this, even though he's coming back. He hasn't shown it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I totally agree. I mean... Obviously, getting Joel Embiid back is a huge coup. Like, yeah. you you can't deny that he is the he's the ultimate um, game factor, defining factor for the Sixers and in that W. With no Joel, no win. Yeah, right. So, 100%. I mean, we're looking we're looking at sweeps. We're looking at brooms out. We're looking at you know Sixers going home. And um, no offense, I and I said it before, and I'll say it again. 
Doc Rivers is just not good at adjustments, but you get a star okay. in there, you know, it's obviously going to be a huge factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, now we're talking about the guy that could have won the MVP, but didn't. <laughs> what happened? Two games gone, the Heat take a vote. Two games back, all of a sudden, Miami can't score above 80 points. It looked for a while, and I really was trying to reverse everything I was saying about Miami. Like, I finally had faith in the team, and then all of a sudden, Joel Embiid comes back, even if he's been cussed and he's broken bones and this and that. He comes back, plays excellently, fires up James Harden. The game isn't all on Harden's shoulders now. He has more room for air. Therefore, 440 plus. It looks like the Sixers series to lose right now. We know what Doc can do. We've seen it. But this is the first time I've really seen Doc Rivers have an injured player in the playoffs come back. An injured player in the playoffs come back yeah, and right. contribute and help and not let the injury derail the postseason run. I do think that Miami may not even be able to take another game off of Philadelphia if they're playing this good. But then again, Doyle Embiid has been injured twice. He could be injured again if just a time will tell type of series and that's how we decided absolutely well the Memphis Grizzlies star speaking of injuries um, point guard John Morant is likely to miss game four tonight with a knee injury the Grizzlies believe their injury was this injury was caused by a play in which Jordan Poole grabbed Morant's knee while going for the basket uh, basketball on a trap near half court in the fourth quarter of game three do you guys think that the, this play was dirty and can the Grizzlies um, down two to one in the series win without Jaw tonight and tie up the series? I don't think it was dirty. It was reckless, not dirty. When you look at the replay, he's going for the ball. And so, no. And the league, I think, agrees with me there. Um, I talked about this on the show Friday. I am fascinated by the Memphis Grizzlies and their ability to win without John Moran. I think they're 20 and five without him, which is incredible. Brandon, we talked about this. How do the Memphis Grizzlies do this? Because if you, generally speaking, on a young team like this, you take away their best player, they're not gonna be 20 and five. What do you think that they can do? Can they win tonight? And how have they won without Jaw this year? Uh, winning tonight is a stretch. We'll, we'll start there. I mean, I do think they cover. They're they're twenty and five without. Uh, I mean, ten and a half. That's a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, they will cover, I believe. And the, the tenacity. It's the culture of this team. They're they're tough. They're tenacious. They they come back. They do blow a lot of leads. I mean, you could see they were ahead by 10, 15, and then they, they let teams go on runs and they come back. But absolutely, this will be a game tonight. I really think so. Memphis is back is against the wall. Desmond Bain's gonna have to have like 30 to 40 points. Jaron Jackson Jr. is there. And think about this, as good as Ja is on the offensive uh, end of the floor, he's a defensive liability. I hate to say it, the defense is going to be better tonight. Memphis's defense was top five all year long. 142 points, no way Golden State shoots 72% from the floor almost again. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with him on that one. They were better without him. Which is shocking to even say, right? Yeah. Um, that they were better without Josh. So I definitely, uh, 100%, 10 and a half points, take Memphis all day. Yeah. That's that's an insane spread uh, considering what uh, they did during the regular season. But at the same time, this is playoff time yeah. as opposed to the latter. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll see. We'll, um, I don't know if David um, thinks the same or... <laughs> Well, it's, it's a huge spread, and there's no way that the Warriors beat him by, by that much. But John Morant, when he's in the game, he's a player that really commands the court. He commands the possession. He gets the ball. He decides what's going on. 
he generates the offense, it kind of collapses or expands around him. Without him, it's got to be more of a team effort. And that's so far been for the better. The Grizzlies remind me of uh, a left-handed batter that does better against left-handed pitchers. Like reverse (laughs) split. It makes no sense. You'd obviously say, yeah, no, no, no. John Morant, we want him in. Yet when he's out, the numbers are so good. You're right on defense. Jock can be a liability. And the Grizzlies, even though you look at their roster and you go, who? They've been incredible. And every one of their players, including Desmond Bain, the highest regard deserves everyone's respect. He's put a multiple 30-point game. He's unbelievable. And at this point, I do not count out the Grizzlies even if John Morant isn't playing, just because of how much they've been able to play such an excellent form of team basketball. Awesome. Well, David, you are the best. We're going to have you back on next week. Thank you so much for that. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by Dave Smith, the sports guy, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Rosh Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you want to win uh, tickets to a future Kings, that's a Kings playoff game, Game 6 back here in Los Angeles, or a Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Okay, joining us now on the guest hotline, I've been waiting for this moment for quite some time. This guest, this moment has been 20 years in the making for me, my old boss, the sports god, Dave Smith. Dave, I am welcoming you to my show. Welcome. Boy, it's about time. Boy, how long have I had you on my show here? Oh, that's I thought you'd gotten too big for me. You know that? It's I know. This, this kid's head is so big he can't fit it in the room anymore. He He's forgotten my number. I know. You know, way, way back in the day... I would screen calls for Dave, and it would yep. be long nights, and he'd ask me to go get him a tostada, and he hated tomatoes. And what did I do? I went and I said, put as many tomatoes as you got back there. <laughs> that full tomato back there, make sure you cut it up, put it on Dave's uh, salad, and he did not appreciate that, but it was a good time. Uh, Dave. I, I, I used to say to the staff, <laughs> you'd come back, I said, the kid's smart, The kid, I mean, he's a hard worker, but I think the kid's stupid. <laughs> he, he gets the order wrong. He guess they were along every night. <laughs> I know. Uh, Dave, I am so glad to have you on today because we did not get a chance to talk about the big fight on Saturday, Canelo. Oh. Um, I'm watching that fight thinking, okay, I've seen terrible judging before, but this fight is so one-sided. I don't know how you could possibly not vote this way. Uh, Dave, when you watch that, one of the biggest upsets, I think, in quite some time, your thoughts on Canelo going down on Saturday night? Well, I picked Evil to win, so it yeah. wasn't a huge upset okay. to me because yeah. I, I liked him and I'd watch, but he was 5-1 to one on the book, so that makes it a, in the sports book, that makes it a big upset. But, you know, um, it's, it, this is one of the few fights what we could actually guy one and he still got robbed yeah. us because 115 113 7 to 5 it's just it shows you how Las Vegas is how corrupt the judges are how, how 
an Oscar back in the day, had them in his hip pocket, and I guess Canelo still does because he's a big moneymaker for Vegas, and they need him to win. It's good for the economy there. To score that 7-5 to five is outrageous. It, yeah. like, remember when, when Floyd fought Canelo Alvarez, uh, Rosh? Uh, he won almost every round, and one such <laughs> actually right. scored it a draw. <laughs> it was... Uh, I had a 10-2, 118, uh, 110, Bevo. How did you have it, Arash? No, I, listen, I, I, I gave Canelo a couple of rounds, but, I mean, it was such a one-sided fight. I had, I, yeah. I, I was shocked watching it, and, um, you know, a, a little. here's the thing. It, it was sad for me because I think we need transcendent fighters like Canelo, and that's the closest thing that we have. We are fight fans, Dave, and I think there's a lot of fights that I'm like excited about but you walk down the uh, street they 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 could like only name Floyd who's retired Pacquiao who's basically retired yep. and Canelo so I feel you need Canelo so if Canelo had won that fight then you're looking at Canelo Triple G 3 which Dave I yep. mean I think he has to take that next cuz I think that I think Canelo can win that fight that gives him a good win I don't want to see a rematch here. I don't think it'll go any other way. No, absolutely. And, and you know, Bevo needed to win the 12th round to pull that fight out, or it wouldn't have been a draw. That's how outrageous that score. If he lost the 12th round, it would have been a draw. But, yeah, I think um, uh, Bevo says now, yeah, he'll give him a rematch, but he wants at least equal money here exactly. um, because uh, he's the champion. And, he, and I don't know if Canelo was still the A-side in the draw here. I don't know. If he will go for that, maybe there'll be a Triple G a third fight in the offing here, uh, another fight. He lost the first two, in my opinion. Here's another thing, Arash. I keep hearing Canelo has gotten so much better over the years, and he's so much better boxer, Mm-mm. and he's more mature. And that was just a young kid, 21, 22 years old, who lost to Mayweather. He's a different fighter now. How? He's, he's always had trouble with boxers and clever guys in the ring. He lost to Floyd. In my opinion, he lost to Arislam. I thought he lost twice to Triple G. He lost again here. Yeah. He still has the same problems he's always had with slick boxers and guys that you can move on him and keep the jab in his face. Listen, he's he's been pr- protected, Dave. His entire career, he's been protected. And this is the first time they said, we're not going to protect you anymore. You lost this fight. And it wasn't even close, Dave, to your point. The fact that no. people needed to win that 12th round to win the fight, an absolute joke. Dave, what does the fight game need to do? Cinco de Mayo has been a big fight date. And I got to tell you, despite the fact that Canelo fought... There was not that same buzz. There was not that same vibe. I mean, people were talking about the Kentucky Derby, huge upset there, the NBA playoffs, hockey playoffs. I mean, generally speaking, Cinco de Mayo weekend, whether it was Floyd or whether it was De La Hoya, it would always have a big fight feel. What does the fight game need to do right now? I think the problem here was the opponent. As good as B-Ball yeah. is, and you know this, Arasha, nobody's ever heard of him. He's an undefeated world champion. You have to be a hardcore fight fan to know to even know who Dimitri B-Ball is. So yeah. I think that was one problem. The, 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 the other side wasn't a big enough name. If it would have been Triple G or Floyd oh, yeah. Mayweather or uh, uh, even a David Benavides, mm-hmm. I think, would have been a really, really big fight and created a lot of interest. So, so I, I think it was the opponent that, it's funny. He picked the toughest guy out there uh, who, who's, who's the least known is going to generate the least revenue. Dave, we talked about this. There was no upside. If he had won this fight, the common yeah. fan, Joe fan, would be like, who the heck cares? Who the heck is Demetrius Bevo? 
This was a fight that he could have lost. There was no upside here, Dave. And this is why, give De La Hoya this much. At least he would say, listen, we're not giving you that fight because you may lose that fight. And to, to, to be honest, you probably will. And Dave, you knew that. You knew that was going to happen. There was no upside here for him. Yeah, and absolutely there's no upside. And, you know, I credit him for taking the fight. This is a big, strong guy and a good fighter at 175 pounds. But, uh, uh, and you know this Arasha. In Vegas, you've got to win nine rounds yeah. out of 12 to beat Canelo, or mm -hmm. you're not going to get a decision here. Cause, Great you know, point. And we have, when you look at the business of boxing, Canelo generates enormous revenue there in Las Vegas. He has a long history of fighting there. It's better for business. It's better for the economy if he wins. But if this would have been anywhere near competitive, they would have robbed people and given Canelo. And they almost did. Like we, If he lost the 12th round, it would have been a draw. That would have been one of the most <laughs> scandalous decisions ever. That would have been amazing. Uh, Dave, I, I want to get your thoughts on the college sports landscape right now. I think it's fascinating. I know people are kind of up in arms right now, but the toothpaste is out of the tube right now. Kids are signing Lamborghini dealerships. Kids are signing multi-million dollar contracts. Great for my USC Trojans, Dave. Uh, but your thoughts on where college football, college sports, because it's not just football. I mean, kids, again, a UT a player just signed a Lamborghini sponsorship. It's incredible. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I like it that the kids are finally making money. And, you know, yeah. it used to be the $100 handshakes and the under-the-table stuff. At least it's out in the open now. And if they're not getting it, the coaches and the, and the universities do. So I say more power to them. I love the money they're getting. But I'm wondering if they're going to put a cap on it or maybe only have a certain time where you can answer the where you can enter the transfer portal. And uh, this, this is kind of getting out of control a little bit. And I... I saw about Arch Manning, you know, Archie's grandson and, and Cooper Manning's son. They're talking, and this is right now. He's got another year of high school of us. Yeah. $3 yeah. to $5 million right away for an NIL deal. That's probably going to double in the next year. I yeah. mean, where does it stop? It's going to be $10 million, 15, 20 for, for blue chip prospects now. It's, where does it stop? But by the way, I mean, but this is, and when I'm watching this play out from afar, and I'm thinking this is perfect for. USC. This is one of those schools that, and by the way, give Reggie Bush his Heisman Trophy back. I mean, I mean, when you when you look back to oh, what yeah. what 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 he got, like his parents got a condo in San Diego. I think he got some kind of a car. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And Dave, their crime, if we're being truthful about it, is that they got caught. When you have a circle of deception, you got to make sure that, that everyone in that circle gets paid out. So it was absolutely ridiculous that. No, you know, one person said, oh, listen, he took this. And at the end of the day, Bush was the best player. I, I hope that now that we're seeing this all play out, he gets that Heisman back. And we all know who the Heisman winner was. We all know who the national exactly. champion was. It was USC. I don't care what the NCAA says. And that, that, that penalty was outrageous, what they did to USC with the probation there. His stepfather and his mother rented a house, I think that was, Valued at seven hundred thousand dollars that they really couldn't afford. That was yeah. what two two and a half hours away from us. Look at the Ohio State scandal with a tattoo gate and uh, you yeah. know and, and 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 allegedly dealing drugs on the side. That tattoo parlor, the Cam Newton thing, and Auburn, all the SEC stuff going on. Nothing happens to them. You know the sacred cows. They never get punished in college football. Yeah, uh, Dave, is this finally the year where Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Joe Mann, and the Los Angeles Angels? finally come together. Um, they've been fun to watch, Dave, and they had a good start to the season. We're now 30 games in. It's not a small sample size, but 
they're you know they're they're playing well, Dave. Is this finally the year where they're playing significant games come the postseason? I think it might be, but you know what it is. Uh, um, uh, in two thousand nine, what thirteen years ago, I put the curse of the sports god on that ankle franchise. And it has been disaster. Look at the look at the the uh, the, the Hamilton contract, uh, the, the right. Pujols contract, uh, all these horrible contracts they sign players to, and the the freak injuries. It's all because of the curse I put him around. So I put on around. So, and the only way that the only way the curse ends. It's if I get a public apology or the Angels win a World Series. So that's, that's how point. the curse of Chick was lifted that I put on the Lakers. Remember, they won the championship in 2009, right. uh, I believe. So then the curse of Chick was lifted. But the curse of the sports, they got to win a World Series for that. Too. So until that happens in Ross, they're going to be a cursed franchise. And, and when I curse somebody, they stay cursed. You know that. It's the most powerful force on earth. <laughs> so you right. must be, Dave, you must be cursing my Clippers then. Was there like a curse that you put on the Clipper, Clipper franchise? I did not put a curse on the, I did not put a curse on the, I think that's the curse of Donald T. Sterling. I think he's a bad <laughs> Dave, The speak, curse of Sterling. That's right. Speaking of uh, Chick Hearn and the Lakers, the show that everyone's talking about, Dave, every Sunday night, winning time. We've talked about this. I love the show. There's obviously parts of the show that we both uh, know are not true or dramatized. Your 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 view. I mean, th- this show has been so fantastic. Your your th- thoughts on the uh, show? Oh, I absolutely love it. Now, uh, sir, sir, Jerry, you know, we know you know you've interviewed Jerry West. I've interviewed him probably ten times yeah. over the years. He's a sensitive guy. He keeps things bottled up inside. He's kind of thin skinned and. He's the last guy that would curse and swear and lash yeah. out and break windows. And, and you know, all, all of that is complete nonsense. And I can understand why he's upset and he's threatening to sue uh, HBO. And he said he'd take it all the way to the Supreme Court. <laughs> but it says it says before and after the show, it's a dramatization. It's, exactly. not, it's not a documentary. I don't think he has a very good case. And I, I love I, because, you know, we both went through the Showtime Lakers or Rush. Yeah. I, I love this. It's bringing back so many great memories. And, uh, um, and I, I will say this as well. The last two or three episodes has been much, much kinder and put Jerry West in a much more positive light yeah. than the first half of the show. You see the one last week where he took Magic aside and said, hey, Dr. J's playing you. He's pretending to be <laughs> your friend, and then he's cutting your throat, and, man, you got to be tougher. You gotta... I-, I thought that was great. It put him in a very positive light. We talked about this, Dave. I mean, I'm wondering who, you know, I mean, because, again, at the beginning of the show, they made him look terrible. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, he didn't get along with Phil Jackson. Him and maybe Jeannie Buss weren't on the best of terms at the end. Like, he got his tickets removed. I'm trying to figure out who said, listen, Jerry West, don't believe the hype. Don't believe what you've heard. He's really a bad guy. Who, I mean, I'm trying to figure out who that would be. Well, Arash, a couple of weeks ago on my show, <laughs> they heard it through the Mightier 1090 at night. Uh, I played a game of Guess Who's the Snitch? Yeah. <laughs> because HBO put out a defense, and they said, well, you know, this is a lot of it's factual-based, and we've done a lot of research, and we have sourcing. And I said, oh, okay. They've got <laughs> sourcing. So well, now let's narrow this down, Arash. Yeah. Who, my number one suspect here. Who hates Jerry West? Who despises him? Who hates him with a passion? And it goes back to their playing days. Who ran him out of the organization in 2001? Who remains a consultant and blocks Jerry Ah. West from having anything to do with the organization? Phil Jackson's fingerprints are all over this. And he has a history of snitching. Remember, uh, he's the one who snitched out the Bulls' locker room to Sam Smith when he wrote The Jordan Rules, that book. 
Yeah. Uh, he's the one. He's always used the media and leaked information to his advantage. So he's right. Jim Buss is up there near the Kurt Rambus. I would think it has got it because who's Phil Jackson's best friend, Arash? Phil Jackson is Kurt Rambis, right? Yes, and yeah. who, who's Janie's best friend? Linda Rambis. Well, there you go. Uh, well, there, I think we've got a potential <laughs> list of suspects for, for leaks. So I would say Phil Jackson sits on the top, and then, the, 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 I, you know, I love Janie. She's always been really yeah. good to me. I don't think she would do it. I would suspect Jim, you know, who was fired in large part because Phil doesn't like him either. Uh, maybe a Kurt Rambis who's close to close to Phil. But, uh, but, you know, while I don't think Janie would have anything to do with this, you know what pillow talk, pillow talk is like? <laughs> they, were together, they were together for 10 years, and I'm sure he told her a lot of things. You know, so, yeah, who Dave, knows? Your, your thoughts on Phil, apparently, and I didn't know about this, had a role in the hiring of Frank Vogel. Now he has a big say-so in who the next coach will be. Do you have a problem with that again? I mean, Dave, when you yes. look at what he did with the Knicks, he doesn't know how to pick head coaches, clearly. Why would anybody, and I've said this over the years of Rush, I would pay $10 million a year for Phil Jackson to coach my team. He's probably the best coach in the history of the NBA. I wouldn't give him 10 cents to run my front <laughs> office when you, look at, when you look at his moves. He destroyed the Knicks franchise. Every move he wanted to make in Chicago that got overruled by Jerry Krause that resulted in world championships. He, I had, you know, Rush, you and me both had more business working the Knicks front <laughs> office or the Lakers front office than Phil Jackson. He had no front office experience. He doesn't know what he's doing. So, no, he shouldn't have any say here. Look at his track record. Look at the Phil Jackson coaching tree. I know. Every one of them has failed when they went off to be a head coach. That's really incredible when you think about it. A coach with that kind of success. Again, none of his protégés, none of his assistants have gone on to great success. Dave, to that point, what do the Lakers need to do? Because I think there's a lot of fans out there saying, well, listen, if like LeBron's healthy and then um, Anthony Davis is healthy. and But... Dave, we saw that team healthy. It, it just is not going to work. What can they do? And I'm watching these uh, playoffs, Dave, and I'm like, these young, fast teams. You got the Memphis Dave. Grizzlies and the Warriors are back. And I'm like, there is no way the team that I saw take the court, healthy or not, is going to compete. No, uh, they got to find a taker for Westbrook. And, you know, Ross, yeah. you and I talked about this last summer. That's the horrible thread. The late there's not a worse fit I could ever imagine playing with LeBron in the backcourt than Westbrook because he can't shoot and he's going to have to play the off guard and give up the ball. It's a terrible trade. So you got to find a taker. I, you know, the John Wall thing. I, I don't think that really helps you if you trade him straight up. But well, I heard a rumor a couple of weeks ago, Arash. I would make this trade in a heartbeat here. It was uh, Russell Westbrook, the 2027 number one and the 2029 number one for. Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. Yeah, no, I love that. Hard. I'd make that. I'd make that trade uh, because you know um, Hayward and Rozier are much better fits around LeBron and yeah. AD because they're both sharpshooters. You know the problem with Hayward is the injuries, but and I, know, I know you're giving up two future number ones, but you know LeBron's what 38 next year, Rosh. Yeah. No. Number ones five and seven years from now aren't doing me any good now for the Lakers. So and they I have. Just, a- I think Hayward Hayward Rozier, AD, and LeBron is a championship caliber lineup if you can make that deal. One hundred percent, Dave. And you got the window to win right now. And again, I know it's a huge if, but if they're healthy, you got two of the top five or ten players in the league. You add those two pieces. That's all you need. That is a championship team right there. So yep. yes, you're giving away future first. But I think at this point, when you have two of the top five players, you have to go all in. Um, so man, but it's it, it, it's tough to watch. 
watch this because, by the way, Dave, we may have a new curse here. Crypto.com <laughs> Arena. The Lakers and the Clippers both missing out on the postseason. We'll see what the Kings do, but Dave, Crypto.com Arena, that is a mouthful. Yeah, well, what a stupid name for a win. That might be the first right there. Crypto.com Arena. Wow. But, you know, again, and by the way, everybody who wants to get rid of LeBron, I understand he's going to be 38 next year, and uh, and, he, and he forced that horrible Westbrook trade on the Lakers. There's another guy who should have nothing to do with personnel. LeBron, exactly. just get out there and play. But he was great this year. I mean, he was 50% shooting, 30 yeah. points a game, eight rebounds, eight of state. He was sensational. Uh, and... And at this point, as great as he is, what could you get for him at 38? I don't think teams would give up a no. whole lot for him right now. You know, because the only thing you could possibly get is, uh, you know, a team out there who wants to sell jerseys, tickets. But you're not going to have anyone yep. out there giving out future first-round picks. Um, Dave, last question for you. You're watching these playoffs shake out your, your thoughts. Who's your pick? Who's going to win it all this year? Well, I picked the uh, well. Actually, I picked the Nuggets before the season started okay. to win the championship. But but I was assuming uh, that they were going to have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, in the, and they didn't play the whole season. So uh, I'm going Suns. Uh, um, yeah, the Warriors are playing great right now, and that's if if they do play in the next round, that's going to be a great series. I think the winner of that series is your NBA champion. No, no doubt about that. And by the way, Dave, I don't know where people get off. The you know the fan touched Chris Paul's mom, and Chris Paul's like coming. I mean, fans are getting a little bit too crazy. You had that fan going onto the stage for the Dave Chappelle show. Fans got to calm yeah. down now. Did you see that kid they threw out who supposedly yeah. put hands on? He looked he like he was fourteen. <laughs> he looked like a kid. He looked like he was like nineteen years old, and I'm like. Chris is kind of trying to come over and do something to him. And I'm like, and I think it was his mom who, I mean, security told him to leave, but I think it was his mom who walked out with him. It was just, it was just so weird. Uh, There's where where times have changed with discipline in in the millennial era, Arash, because uh, back in the day, my mom and dad would have gone upside my head if I would have done anything like that. Oh, my my dad would have brought out the switch. He would have been like, go go get your switch, and this is not happening ever again. Oh, my God. Yeah, my my dad used to make me go out in the backyard and find the switch to get the hell out of me. Yep. Dave, you're the best. We're going to have you on next week. Let's make this a regular thing. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.